podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast where, win or lose, we are Derby through and through. And it was a game which should have been a victory just now against our local rivals, the Rams, on the end of some more dodgy officiating against Forest. Where have we heard that before? Uh, to deny Philip Koku what would have been only a second league victory of the season. But joining me remotely to bask in Derby's first goal, at the city grounds is March 2017. Our two SBW regulars who are also not in my line of vision. It's uh, Richard Nanton. How are you both feeling after that? I mean, in terms of my gut feeling, and I think quite a good gauge of opinion is just how I feel immediately after a performance. In terms of gut feeling, obviously we've been harshly denied what looked like a perfectly legitimate winner against Forrest in that game, but I, I feel good. I feel encouraged, and and that's not just the booze talking. I feel um I feel quite good after that game. How about you, Kutch? Yeah, well, I am stone cold sober, in fact, and I do also feel quite good and uh, feel quite encouraged, Chris. Um, yeah, I think we probably should have won that game, not just because of the disallowed goal, but other other chances we let pass us by. And yeah, I think there's it was signs of more progress. I think it's slow progress at the moment, but uh, it was a good team performance against a team who also had had picked up a bit of form. I am not sober, but I, I am also happy. So, so like definitely, definitely good signs for, for this Derby team. Um, definitely kind of much more positive activity going forward and, and kind of a, a much more positive performance. And, and as we'll get into, we, we probably deserve three points from this game. Hopefully turning a corner. More on that later. Uh, well, Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season, of course, with Derby Brewing Company. Derby's original craft brewer and uh, of course most of this pod we'll be talking about the uh, one-all draw at Nottingham Forest away it wasn't a defeat that's something we scored a goal at Forest that's something we scored a goal that's that's something so much to talk about a really eventful game for a one-all draw Uh, we've got some five word reviews plenty of those that came in from you guys as well on full time but um, Anton the first half we were really decent, weren't we? Where I'm going to say it, do you think that was up there? Not that it has much competition with our best first halves of the season so far. Yeah, I I thought we we performed really well, right first half and and kind of towards the end of the second half as well. But I, I was really impressed with how how fluid the formation looked. I mean, we, we we've. We've seen signs of it in the last couple of games, kind of how the the front um, kind of positions have kind of intermingled and and, and looked like scoring, but but we haven't seen as as good as as we saw today. Um, certainly, the front three were interchanging a lot um, in um, Lawrence Wycorn and, and Yuzviak. It probably helped that Wycorn was, was the one up top, so that he can play out wide, so w- was able to interchange between the front three. But it, it looked really likely um, going forward, and we, we were certainly the better team in the first half, and and probably bossed a, a lot of the second half as well. Kutch, how much 
of the improvement that we saw in this performance, would you say, was down to uh, the, the different personnel up top? Because uh, as Anton said there, we had Martin Wagon starting for the first time in a long time, Lawrence um, back in the team again and finding his feet. I mean, for me, the, the difference is light and day, really, between Forrest and how we looked going forward against Huddersfield. The, the, just the interplay between Lawrence and Waghorn was was really promising for a start. There were nice little flicks. There was Waggy's little header to Lawrence, who then put in Juzviak for the disallowed goal. There was immediately more physical presence, I thought. Just a bit more nous, you know, just like more clever centre-forward play in general. I think we, we, we made... Forest defenders feel more under pressure. We, we ran the channels better and more intelligently. Do you think like the way that the ball stuck more in the final third was the main improvement on Huddersfield 1-0 defeat earlier in this week? Yeah, I think it probably was. It, it did it stuck for longer as well, didn't it? Not just for the first 25 minutes. You know, they kind of got back to it again in the, in the second half. And I think Lawrence looks really good, actually. I mean, and Lawrence had a really good second half of last season and Koku's, I think, taking his game on further during his time at the club um, compared to Lawrence under Lampard and, and under Rowett. And I think Lawrence has come back with a bang. I think he looks he looks really hungry. I, I know that Koku and Lampard have both talked about how Tom Lawrence works so hard off the ball and sometimes people don't see it. Well, we absolutely saw it tonight. If, if you didn't see how hard Lawrence was working and you, you didn't want to see it because he made so many important tackles and tracking back and filling in. Uh, I think there's one part, I think it was the second half when Buchanan had gone up the field and and Lawrence shouted at him, stay there. And, and Lawrence went in and stood at left back or, or left wing back. But in terms of going forward, they they just seem to, they're not quite, I don't think, on the same wavelength yet. And you think that will come. And you've got obviously other players to throw into the mix, like like Jordan Ive at some point. But I thought there was there were signs. Obviously, Tom Lawrence and Waghorn know each other well uh, from their time at Derby and the Ipswich together. Juzvek is still finding his way. But I thought Juzvek was very close, even before the, the disallowed goal, of, of getting on the end of a few a few balls and made a few runs and people just didn't quite pick him out. So it's definitely a work in progress, but it, you know, even better from three or four days ago, as you say. I mean, part of this Anton was just getting something from this game. Wasn't it just not losing, just getting, just stopping the rot, which, which we did clearly by getting a point. And I think that will be, um, that's a very obvious improvement on others field. We've got a point compared to losing. And I think a lot of that was because of the impact of that, front three but also a generally improved performance across the team I'd say you could probably pick out three or four players who were noticeably better in this game than against Huddersfield I get that part of that is because of the local derby and there's like professional pride at stake right like no player wants to be on a losing side in a derby regardless of who they play for but I just think that bigger picture losing this game just would have had such a could have had like such a catastrophic impact on this team. Um, losing losing against Forest may have had a bigger impact on our season and on this team than losing the Blackburn game. I think it it could well have spelt the end for Koku. You don't know how much truth there was in the speculation this week and and how ready Mel was to pull the trigger. Um, so as I say, I just think it was important to get something, anything from this game. But we did that. But we did it by playing pretty well, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think most of us would have been happy with a point today. But I, I think the point that came w- was not just any old point. It, w- it was a really positive point. We we not only didn't lose today, but we we 
probably deserved to win and and looked really positive in all areas of the pitch. And as you say, there were so many positive performances around the pitch. I, I don't think I'd, I could really pick out a, a bad performance on, on that field today. Um, everyone stepped up. Everyone looked like they wanted to to perform for Koku, perform for for the team. And it, we, we showed real signs of, of kind of what Koku wants to bring into this team. Um, and yeah, it, it only shows um, real good signs for, for future games, I think. What Koku's had to do, and we've talked about this before in the last couple of weeks, since that 4-0 defeat at home to Blackburn, is he's had to go back to basics first and foremost. And that started off with the 4-5-1 or 5-4-1, sorry, um, against Norwich, which, you know, eked out a pretty, a pretty fortunate win, but a well-earned win in terms of the effort and organisation that went into that. And gradually since then, starting with Watford and Huddersfield, which obviously were defeats and and not particularly exciting going forward, we've they've started to try and add a few more building pieces to the attack. And that's obviously been helped with players returning from injury. And I think what you're starting to see now is is maybe a formation which is actually evolving into probably our, our chosen formation, even when you've got players back fit, because it just gives you that back three plus the wing-backs, gives you a level of solidity, which hasn't been there before when, we, when we've been playing a back four this season and, and the end of last season. If you think about bringing back someone like Christian Bielik, then you know, you could actually put him into that back three to make it a bit more of an offensive back three, shall we say, if that makes sense. Or he could go into those midfield positions. So I think Koku has gone back to basics, but he's slowly putting the building pieces back together for producing some attacking football. And we saw some of that tonight. As we said, we created chances and we probably should have got two goals. Yeah, that's really interesting, the point you make about the evolution of the formation, because we really had to reset and go completely back to basics at Norwich after Blackburn. But you're completely right. It does seem like since then, we've gradually come out of our shell a bit more once we've worked out that we've got the defensive basics right and what was a def- what looked like a much more defensive five at the back against Norwich seems to have evolved a little bit to more of a three at the back and a 3-4-3 three, three in the game that we saw today. And a huge part of that is the improved performances of, of the wingbacks. Lee Buchanan, I'm going to hold my hands up here. Like we talked earlier on in the season about, I I literally said myself, I don't think he's ready for the first team. He's not good enough. He gets caught out of position. He's not, he's not physical enough, but like today he was, he was bombing on. He was, uh, he was putting crosses in. He won header after header after header. I tweeted myself that I just don't know where that's come from. It felt like he's only about three foot 10, but he could have won a header against Andre the Giant against Forrest. Like he was winning absolutely <laughs> everything in the air. And Byrne, obviously we know what we're going to get from him. Very solid on the right as well and had a, a big say in some of our best attacks. Look, the 3-4-3 three, three does rely on having really good wing backs and neither are the finished article at all. They both have areas to improve, but some really encouraging signs and a huge improvement recently from Lee Buchanan. Yeah, I think Buchanan has been superb and I, I totally agree with what you were saying about being a little bit sceptical myself about how much Buchanan could step up into the first team. It, it, it did look a little bit too soon for him kind of earlier this season and towards the end of last season. He he did look a little bit naive at times um, in certain occasions, but he, he seems to be learning so much and he, he seems to be really stepping up and, and kind of coming into his own in, in this team. But w- what I would say about this formation, I, I was a little bit sceptical about how it would work long term, but 
as you've both said, it, it does seem to be evolving so much. And I, I think it's it's not just the wing backs that are playing a big part in this, but also the the wingers that have, have come into play in the last couple of games because it, it, it's all well and good having wing backs creating that width. And, and I think that Buchanan and Byrne have been good all season, to be honest. But it's also important to have the creativity that the wingers show to, to bring those players into the play which we probably didn't have in, in the first two or three games in the season, but we have shown in the last couple of games and it, it's really showing how much potential it could have. Derby's goal then, taking the lead in the first half. Um, still only one goal from open play this season, but I feel that's very much a, a glass half empty uh, perspective right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> um, Derby's opener, what a free kick that was. Great to have Waggy back in the action. Um, you look at it again, I think that the obvious thing to point out is that any goal that goes in off the crossbar looks at least two or three times better. I think we can all agree on that. And Absolutely. this one is no exception. You look at the replay, Samba does take a little bit of a step to his left as Waggy hits it, um, which means that he just can't quite get across and get a hand on it. But even with that in mind, it's still a really great hit from Waggy, like really, you know, postage stamp stuff in off the underside of the bar. He has got a decent free kick in him, I feel. He scored one against, I want to say, QPR last season. Yeah, it, w- it was QPR, yeah. Me, me but, and Tom were definitely there at, at Pride Park last season when Waggy scored that. But he uh, he tends to be... We don't really tend to see it that often because he's usually second or third down the packing order behind Rooney and uh, and Lawrence, isn't he, Anton? Yeah, he is. Um, but he showed that we've got plenty of players that can do the business from from a, a set piece and it, it, it was a great free kick as, as you say Samba did take one step to the left um, but you, you can't take away from how good a strike it was it, it does definitely look so much better going in off the bar um, I mean I mean Kutch is, is probably the person to go from from a goalkeeping perspective um, but I, I don't think you can hold too much against Samba there. I think it's just a really good free kick from Michael. I mean, Kutch, before the free kick, how impressed were you with the work that Juzviak did to, to get, get the ball out from a really crowded area and then offload to, to Knight? And then what I think was, I think it was the fifth foul on Jason Knight in the first half uh, to, to earn that free kick in the first place. Like the, the, the work, the, the graph that we did to get the ball into that position and win the free kick in the first place was arguably as impressive as the free kick itself, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, a Jews vet, Lawrence and Knight all carried the ball really well again in the kind of the opposition's half and, and getting us out from defensive positions. And that was a great example. And Jews vet showed a lot of that actually during the match. Obviously, he had he did score that goal, which was disallowed. But generally, I thought his final decision-making or his final finishing or, or final ball was, wasn't quite on tonight. But he, he he beat so many players. He drew fouls just like Jason Knight and Tom Lawrence did. I mean, it wasn't just Jason Knight getting fouled all game. I mean, Sammy Amiobi must have given away four or five at least uh, stupid free kicks in the match, I thought. I thought Forrest could have had a lot more uh, yellow cards during the game. Re- really impressive. I thought the industry of all of those more attacking players, particularly Lawrence and Juzvek was was very good, and and they and they showed quality on the ball when they had the chance, and that and that's what kept drawing fouls. And when you've got players like Waghorn, Tom Lawrence, and and to come back Wayne Rooney on the pitch, then drawing fouls is going to be quite a, a useful uh, element of this team. You'd, you'd imagine for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's great watching Knight win that free kick because Forrest just 
like couldn't couldn't handle him at times in that first well, half. I, I thought Chris that Forest were. I know this is a Derby County podcast, but I thought Forest were quite disorganised and they felt they felt like you know, lots of very poor headers out out of the box, um, lots of poor clearances. They they didn't look particularly on it tonight. And I think that's to do with the, some of the pressing and, and some of the kind of energy that Derby put into the game. Yeah, I, f- I think we just mopped up second balls a bit better, really. And Knight was a, a, mm. a big part of that. Like there was one point in the first half where Knight uh, just took a great touch from like a Clark defensive header, like j- just got it under in one touch and then charged way up the pitch, like got the ball, got Derby 30 yards up the field before he was fouled by Cyrus Christie and he got a yellow card. Really reminiscent of the, the run that Knight made against Norwich um, before Rooney's free kick. So uh, that is undoubtedly what Knight brings to this team. But his, um, his central, his defensive midfield partner, Graham Shinney, um, had what I thought, and we have to point this out, had a really solid game, actually. Like, he he did what he does best in that he uh, he screened, he put in tackles, he was physical, he covered a lot of ground, he didn't give Summer Forest's better ball players much time to create, but he also didn't do what he's not good at in that he didn't stick away a one-on-one chance, which would have put Derby 2-0 up <laughs> in the first half with a few minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, he'll be hugely disappointed at that. Um, but I mean, it, it's not his game, is it? Um, to to finish that kind of chance, I, I don't want to do him too much of a disservice because uh, although he will be disappointed and we're, and we're disappointed with him, it, it's it, he had such a good game outside of that um, and he did everything that we would have expected from him. Um, he won so many balls in the middle of the park. He, he he kind of did exactly what we were expecting. It's such a shame that didn't fall to someone like Jason Knight or or, or someone else in the middle of the park who who probably would have finished that. Um, I, I think go, going back to your point around kind of Knight and and Shinny in the middle of the park, I thought that worked really well. Ha- having that ball winner and also the energy in midfield provided that extra bit of creativity and that extra spark that we were kind of lacking in previous games. And, and I thought that combination worked really well. So uh, we put this one out to you guys uh, to see what you made of uh, of Derby's first goal at the city ground in a very, very, very long time. In uh, your shout. Your, your shout. shout. Ah. There it is. What a jingle. Um, <laughs> your shout, a new feature where well, it's it's your shout. It's, it, it does what it says in the tin, really. So five words to sum up uh, Derby's performance in that one or draw at the City Ground. Uh, Dan said much better performance. Corner turned? Question mark. Um, James Wendell said Koku in, Koku in, Koku. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's uh, he's lost his train of thought halfway through that. Um, he'll, also be, he'll also be on the beers that one as well. Yeah, uh, Phil Henson says should have been three points. We all agree on that. Um, Patrick said we are getting noticeably better. Question mark. Shades of Ron Burgundy in that one. Martin Dempster said few. Thank goodness that's over. Ryan Hills off of uh, Pride DCFC book fame. He said Rams are back. Promotion confirmed. He's been uh, he's been on the booze. Neil Cheatham, he said, Josviak, Josviak plus Lawrence equals goal threat. So he hasn't used five <laughs> words, but he's used four <laughs> words and two symbols there. But Formula. I'll, um, 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let him go. He's obviously a mathematician. Yeah. David said, very proud after that performance. Matt Daft said, undoubtedly playing for the manager. What else we got here? Uh, James Parkinson said, showed desire, lots of positives. So, yeah, there were lots of positives. And um, the main one for me, which you mentioned earlier there, Coach, was the work rate. Like the graft we put in, the shifts that some players put in in this game was was really impressive, I thought. And particularly Tom Lawrence, who historically hasn't always been given credit for some of the defensive work that he does. But he was closing down again and again in that game. And it's like, it's not something that, that fans always notice or that players always get credit for. But I think that the important thing about closing down is you're always told to do it, but it's not pointless. Like people tell you to do that for a reason. Like we were forcing Forrest into like panicked long balls. We were forcing them into like easy transitions and turnovers. It is quite unglamorous. It is like donkey work, that sort of thing. But if you're going to get on topping games, if you're going to try and make those little marginal gains to get yourself up the pitch, to, to get your team possession, to, to get on top, it's the sort of thing that you just have to do. And it's the sort of thing that he did do. And I think that, I think that should be applauded, even if it wasn't that noticeable. Well, I thought it was very noticeable tonight. I think I think it, it was one of the most noticeable work rate efforts we've seen Lawrence put in. And, and as we said before, it's not because he hasn't been doing it. It just was very obvious tonight. And the thing about the pressing, and, and Derby, particularly under Koku, have been quite heavily criticised for not pressing well or not pressing enough or being quite passive when they're out of possession. And the thing is, Koku definitely doesn't... There's, there's different ways to press, right? You can sometimes see... I think teams like Brentford and, and other teams, I think Fulham in the past in this division, not last season, but other seasons, have been very aggressive in their press and really pressed high, you know, almost like kind of Manchester City, Liverpool style press, where they press you right up into your penalty area. And that, of course, can be very horrible to play against if it's done correctly. Koku's never trying to do that and he doesn't seem to want to do that. But he was, once you get towards the kind of uh, halfway through your own half, so to speak, that's when Cocky wants to put the press on. And that's all about intelligent pressing, picking the right angle and being disciplined in where and how you press, not just in how fast you run to people. Kind of, you're trying to push people towards certain parts of the pitch or push them towards one, you know, one of someone that you would identify as a weak link. And of, often teams, when they do it to us, they make us pass to Curtis Davis and stand off Davis because they know that he hasn't got many passes in his locker. So, you know, Tom Lawrence has obviously, ex- obviously executed that plan very well tonight, but, you know, along with help from Juzvek, Jason Knight, Graham Shinney, Martin Waghorn. And in those kinds of players, and you bring Jordan Ive into that again, you've got players who are going to be good at putting that press on because they're all quite mobile players. Interestingly, with the press, Anton, um, go back to Huddersfield and the goal that decided the game. Good team moves, to be fair, from Huddersfield. But Curtis Davis said in his post-match afterwards that it was a press that we got wrong. Um, So... Did we improve in our pressing against Forest? Do you think? Do we do it more intelligently? Like, what what was the difference? If there was a difference, I think it's a little bit difficult to criticise that goal against Huddersfield because I, I I think it was a very well worked goal. I I think there is still a lot of work to do, as Cutch says, with that press. There are signs that we're we're kind of working on it, and and we seem to be improving every game. So there were signs of improvement. F- in this game compared to the Huddersfield game, but there, there still definitely are improvements to make. The Huddersfield goal was very good, so I, I don't think that a good press would have necessarily solved that. More in a second on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. Uh, we're going to return in part two with 
a bit more on Derby's 1-0 draw against Nottingham Forest and a little geographical quiz just to round off this episode. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast. You can uh, hit follow on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss an episode. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Free kick sends it wide out to the left-hand side. Good pass, knocked down by Sturridge, comes forward, holds off. Adams shoots it to goal! Oh, a beauty, a cracker! It just nicked the inside of the uh, crossbar and dropped down into the net. Sturridge, the scorer, goal number five of the year. And certainly his uh, mentor, Ian Wright, at the other end of the pitch can watch that one because it was an Ian Wright classic scored by Dean Sturridge. A gorgeous ball from defence to the left-hand side. Sturridge knocked it down beautifully. Left Adams in his wake, came up to the edge of the box, crashed in a shot, and the shot screamed past Lukic, hit the underside of the bar, bounced down over the line and up into the roof of the net. And uh, with just under half an hour to go, 63 minutes playing, it's Arsenal 1, Derby County 1, and Dean Sturridge will remember that goal all his career. So look, for long periods like Derby were going to hang on, uh, we were going to claim that first priceless victory against Nottingham Forest in frankly far too long too many years but couldn't do it Forrest did hit back eventually equalized through Lyle Taylor from a corner uh for me boys the the difference did probably come from Anthony Knockart I think came on at half time uh Chris Hewton did change it around and it was noticeable that he was getting space to cross he was linking up with Cyrus Christie a bit more to to get down the right they that they, they sort of expo- you know they exploited that that avenue to, to earn a couple of cheap corners. And then it was from one of those corners that Knockhart whips in that the that the ball ends up at Lyle Taylor's feet from, from two yards out and he's got an easy finish. On the one hand, you could say it's a, poss- a possible foul in there somewhere. You could say that it's a lucky ricochet off um, Ryan Yates' face that just happened. The ball happens to land at Lyle Taylor's feet. On the other hand... Uh, and it's not for the first time this season this has happened. Andre Wisdom is ball watching a bit, isn't he, Coach? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. You know what? I mean, we 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 can see a lot of goals from set pieces, particularly corners, and we criticise our defending a lot from those set pieces. Correctly so. On this one, I think we're a tad unlucky. Not not unlucky in the sense that we shouldn't have conceded it, but unlucky that you know the ball drops in. In, in, in exactly the wrong place and we'll come on to it. But, you know, Philip Cockley made the point that they also had someone offside for, for their goal, uh, which didn't seem to matter. Um, so, you know what? I, I think, yeah, Davis probably could have been a bit stronger. Mick McCarthy, see, Mick McCarthy was on the fence. And Mick McCarthy is someone that believes defenders should be big and tall when he was saying, well, it probably was a push. But, yeah, Davis maybe could have been stronger. Wisdom maybe was ball watching, but it dropped so quickly uh, at their feet and it just dropped in, in, perf- in the right in the right place for them. I feel, I thought the goal had been coming. They had been dominating up until that point in the second half and Derby hadn't quite got to grips with the 4-3-3. Uh, as you said, Knockhart was causing havoc uh, on the right-hand side and I think, well, I think it was his corner that, that they got put in. So yeah, I, maybe it was avoidable, but I thought we defended our box pretty well for, for most of that match, to be honest. Overall, Anton, do you think uh, who would be happier with the point? I know it's a bit of an easy cliche question to ask but in a game of this importance I think it is quite relevant neither side have really started the season particularly well 
Well, in fact, we both started it terribly. Who do you think would happier would be happier to avoid defeat in that game? Well, after the ninety minutes, one hundred percent Forest will be happier with that point. As we kind of all said towards the start of the game, we'd be happy with a point. But after seeing that performance and after the chances we had, and after the Uzviak disallowed goal, certainly um, we'll be disappointed not to go away with three points they they had the the luck of the bounce with that corner as Kutch was saying and and probably got away with one really but despite not going away with three points I, I think we can definitely be pleased with with the performance we, we've definitely turned a corner you say you've turned a corner just wait till uh, Harry Wilson bangs in a screamer against us <laughs> the Cardiff next week uh, let's let's just hold fire on that opinion for now but I I can definitely see why you would say that in the first place uh, but yeah, speaking of getting away with one, you mentioned a disallowed goal. Uh, it's just, uh, just an absolute sickener. So to talk you all through the events leading up to it, it's 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 a long ball, great little flick on from Waggy. Does really well to win the header. Then it's uh, it's Lawrence to picks it up. More of that interplay that we talked about earlier. It looks like Lawrence has maybe run out of room or gone down a blind alley, but he just he puts in Uzviak. And what's going to get lost in in the conversation about this goal is it's a really good touch and finish. It's a really mm. good little touch out of his feet, right foot, low and hard, in the corner, just inside the post. It's a really tidy little go- little goal from Guzviak, but it's disallowed because I believe, and I think Sky said this, it wasn't for offside, but because of obstructing the line of sight. I mean, more than anything else, I was just really gutted for, for Uzviak, really. I, I think his overall effort in the game really merited that sort of reward. I was, I was just I was so pleased for him when I saw him wheel away and I saw it was him that had scored. And then I was just just absolutely crestfallen, completely gutted when it got disallowed. And the look on his little face when when it came up on Sky that he, when he first noticed the goal didn't count, he looked like a, a kid that had just been told that Santa doesn't exist. He looked absolutely devoured. <laughs> felt so bad yeah. for him. Um, but... Kurt, what was your take on on the incident overall? Well, it's hard, wasn't it? Because I think most football fans or seasoned football fans are pretty much trained to kind of you know anticipate if there's going to be a flag for a goal that you've just scored, particularly if it's late in a game, and you couldn't see the linesman straight away. But there was there was almost no question in in anyone's head that there was an offside in there, and and the celebration went on for at least five or so seconds uh, before we saw you know Juzek's crestfallen face, as you as you mentioned. It's a really, it's a really horrible one, isn't it? Because what what really annoys me about these decisions is there there is an argument to say that he is obstructing the line of sight, but those decisions are so inconsistently given. Tom was actually uh, referring back to Jeff Hendricks' goal in the ten man game at the same end of the city ground when Fear Robinson was at arguably way more in the line of sight of the goalkeeper for that goal, and I've completely forgot about Fear Robinson, but he's slap bang in the middle of the goal and. The ball almost goes through him to go in the back of the net. And that was given. And obviously we're delighted it was. And then you've got the other end. You've got Lyle Taylor's goal, where there's a Forest player stood in the middle of the six-yard box, right in front, only a yard or two away from David Marshall, right in front of him, when Lyle Taylor puts that in. So how's that not obstructing the line of sight? So it's just the inconsistency, which is extremely frustrating. I think Anton was saying that in the video just now, or just offline, was just saying that, when Waghorn jumps, maybe that has some kind of factor because then the linesman thinks he's jumped over the ball. The problem is, is the linesman, because of the angle, can't actually see if Waghorn is directly over the ball or directly in the goalkeeper's line of sight. So it's just guesswork, which is what is so frustrating and, and denied what seemed like a perfectly good goal. Yeah, that's the issue I had. I felt personally that that was a sort of goal that if we'd have scored it 10 years ago, 
it probably would have been given because I just feel that officials... Well, he scored it, at, he scored it at the other end and it probably would have been given because we saw what happened with Lyle Taylor. He scored it three or four years ago. There is that, given. yeah. But, it's but, just but, inconsistent all around. Yeah, I mean, what I mean is is that I feel there's more of a, a need from officials to be seen to be like looking at every single possible issue or like the minutiae of every single goal, like, you know, goal-based incident. And I just mm. feel that if that had happened a few years ago, it, it would have been given. But Do you wasn't. mean VAR, Chris, or...? I don't, I don't mean in a VR sense. <laughs> <laughs> we can't we, we can't mention the, the the V word on this podcast till we get promoted, <laughs> and then we can get and then we can moan about it for as long as we like. But Philip Koku obviously had some very strong words about this in his post match. Uh, he was asked by Sky the opening question. He didn't even wait to be asked directly about that incident. He was asked quite a open ended opening question in his post match. He was asked, "Do you feel happy to have?" arrested your bad form and stopped the rot and uh, he said i'm not happy victory was stolen from us i don't like to talk about referees but they made me do it and he went on to say uh, it's a big frustration we played a really good game uh, no forest player protested for the goal but after 25 minutes the linesman raises his flag <laughs> maybe a slight exaggeration from big phil there but he was he was as angry about that as i've ever seen him about anything since he's been our manager coach yeah, and I, I, I can understand why he would be in, in the heat of that moment so angry about it. And, and we're angry about it as well because he's, see, he's finally seen his team put together close to a 90-minute performance. You'd say probably, you know, maybe that 20 minutes or so after halftime, we, we obviously weren't controlling the game. But it was our best performance of the season against our local rivals on the back of everything that's happened in the press in the last couple of weeks regarding speculation about his job. And he feels he's been denied a really massive, massive three points that would have been. It's still a good point and it's still a good performance and it's something to build on. But we go into, you know, Cardiff and Bournemouth games, which are even harder than this game. So it was it would have been a huge three points and a huge belief for this for this team and for a for a brand new player to get his first goal and the winner in a derby would have been massive. So I can understand why he's fuming. Um and I, I, I like to see it. You know, lots of fans criticize Cocky for not being passionate enough. And I think he does show from time to time how much he does care and and how he is willing to kind of say what he feels. Anton, we, we've always said on this podcast, I know there's always a bit of a split of opinion when Derby are doing badly about whether the whether we should whether we should change, whether we should get a new person in. But do you think with this performance, we've got a draw at Forest, we've played really well in patches, but we have got two really tough games coming up, um, away at Cardiff and I wanna say home to Bournemouth. Must be at home to Bournemouth. Um but anyway, Cardiff and Bournemouth, two teams who'll be fancy to be up there. There's a very real chance that despite this, we could get very little or nothing from those two games. But do you think with this Forest result and performance, Koku has bought himself enough time to at least get through till November and get maybe get, get through to November or, or, or Christmas? I think it's massive, actually. I feel like a lot of the fan base were, were still behind Koku before this forest performance um, and and us probably included in that um, we we still wanted to keep faith in Koku because we we still think that it's a long term project. He he's shown loyalty in, in the club and it, it looks like there is a long term plan with with the club, especially with the, the the players coming back from injury. But there there are as, as you say certain members of the fan base who who are 
kind of not potentially sharing the same opinion as us, but I think the performance that we showed tonight and, and the desire that the players showed w- will have proved to those members of the fan base that everyone is behind Koku and everyone is behind the system that Koku wants to bring into this club. And even if we don't necessarily pick up points from those next two games, which are difficult, as long as we we play in, in a similar vein to tonight, we, we, we should be absolutely fine and, and should be fully behind Koku. So I, I haven't got to the point or hadn't got to the point before tonight of wanting him to be sacked, but I had got to the point in the last week or so where I couldn't really be bothered to defend him anymore. Um, I definitely, and there has been a big sea change. Uh, and look, Twitter is not everything. Twitter is not our whole fan base, but it's the best gauge we have, particularly at the moment when there's no fans in stadiums, of how the fans are feeling. And there was definitely a sea change in the last week after the Watford and Huddersfield games. I saw a lot of people calling for Cockley to be sacked who had otherwise been pretty supportive and, and wanting to, to kind of stick with it for a bit longer. And you know what? I couldn't blame them. I didn't necessarily agree with them, but I was I was at the point where I wasn't going to defend them anymore because I it didn't look like it was going in the right direction, even though there were hints of you know building something up again. This has you know brought me back on on Koku's side a little bit more than I was, but I do think if you lose the next two games, however hard they are, the the same conversations will be returning again, and you'll start seeing the same kinds of articles mentioned in in newspapers. So I do think it's. Performances are improving slightly, uh, game by game for the last four matches, you would say. Results need to come at some point. And yeah, we picked up a point tonight, but we need to start picking up some wins. Um, you know, I'm not worried if we're nine points off sixth uh, around Christmas time, but we need to start you know, moving away from the bottom three. And I think that's, that still remains important. You need to pick up points. And I do, I do worry that we'll be back to having the same conversations in two weeks' time, having lost to Cardiff and Bournemouth. Although they're also, we also could win those games as well. There, we have got the players that can score goals as we start creating more chances. So I think those games could go either way, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose them while still playing okay and we're still questioning Koku again. We could. We could get something from those games. And the fact that we're saying that is symbolic of the fact that we've got a bit of belief off the back of this performance. Colin Kazim Ritzer's hat trick incoming against Bournemouth. You heard it here first. <laughs> he does um, not look like he does not look like score a hat trick, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I loved all the Sky Sports cliches that they just wheeled out immediately after he came on, like putting himself about ma- making his presence Mick, felt. Mick McCarthy loved it, didn't he? <laughs> There was there was some great shithousery though, like the way that he almost body checked Samba over when he wanted to try and take a free kick, um, a goal kick quickly, and he really was. He didn't muck about by getting in his way. He properly was in his way, stopping free kicks from being taken. Yeah, he didn't have much impact on the ball, but he just brought you know a kind of mentality to those forward players that actually is something we don't really have. I mean, if he's look, if he, if he's a bit dirty, if he winds players up, and if he wins his cheap free kicks. I, I count that as a good contribution to the team, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> a few more five-word reviews um, off the back of that performance that we can just give you before we wrap up the pod. Um, so what else have we got here? Uh, a few good ones. Rob Jones said, hard work nearly pays off. Alex Ufton said, so much more to come. Uh, this is my favourite one. Josh Dickinson said Lino after Barnard Castle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Political. So, yeah. you know, what else we've got here? Uh, at Derby Boy on Twitter said Juzviak scored a good goal. Uh, that, that is a fact. True. Um, and Andrew Woodman said key players back 
equals better performance. Before we go on to the quiz, Anton, um, very quickly on Forrest, who would you say was your man in a match at the City ground? Tough, actually. Um, there were a lot of contenders. Um, you've put me really on the spot here. I thought that Jason Knight was very good in the middle of the pitch and Lawrence was very good going forward. So probably be, be between one of those two. Yeah, I, th- I thought Curtis Davis was fantastic at the back again. I thought he made some really good tackles, winning some balls where we almost got uh, broke upon and, and he closed them down. I thought Shinny and Knight were both fantastic. Lawrence, as Tom, as Anton said. You know what? I was going to say that Shinny loses it because of that missed chance, but to get in that position to have that chance in the first place was, was kind of typified his performance. Very box-to-box, won loads of tackles. For me, it's between him and Knight. And I, you know what? I'll give it to Shinny. Knight gets a lot of love at the moment, so uh, Graham Shinny for me. Good shout. That's fine by me. Well, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, latest episode of Steve at Bloomer's Washing with a little bit of cheeky trivia. I um, I wrongly declared that it was going to be a geographical-based quiz in the first half, uh, but Kutch, that's not quite true, is it? No, it's uh, back to the old uh, original favourite, who Ram I. So I'll redo some clues. Oh, yes. You've got to tell me who the former Ram is. Rolling back the years. Love it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Three, three years or so. Um, so yeah, shout shout your name when you think you've got an answer uh, going from these clues. So clue number one, I made 118 appearances for Derby between 99 and 2007. Chris, Roy Delap. It's not Roy Delap. That's a terrible In- answer. No, wrong. Anton? I will go Russell Holt. No, also both awful shouts, those two. Russell Holt was Derby in 94, 95. No, really? Yeah, Damn he was in the promotion, the promotion team. Um, all right, I signed for the Rams from Scarborough for thirty thousand pounds and never scored a career goal. Scarborough, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of this. Uh, Two thousands. Uh, Chris, Andy Oakes. That's not him, is it? No. Uh, uh, a- a- Anton Richard Jackson. Correct, Richard oh, Jackson. Oh, is it? Oh, 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 yourself. Jacko. Yeah, I think what he too, should. Shout? Where's he, he pulled that one from? He featured in the Pride chat you guys did with, uh, was it with Ryan? The, the, yeah, the book yeah, he came, he Ryan, came up yeah. in that. I've, I've started reading that book and it's it's really good, actually. So. There you go, another plug. Um, so yeah, I'll read you the rest of those clues quickly. Uh, the next one I don't think would have helped you much, but I also played for Luton Town, Hereford United, Whitby Town and Burton Albion. I was primarily a right back and could be described as bog standard. <laughs> Not my words, the words of Richard Jackson. <laughs> and I share a first name with one of the Steve Bloomer's washing boys. If that was just if you were really struggling, it was going to be my last. I mean, name. I'd have maybe got it off right back, uh, yeah, possibly a push so. with the name of one of, one of us. But and, um, until, until, until I was primarily a right back, it was basically Richard Jackson or Paul Boer team, wasn't it? That was basically the options. Basically, yeah, well, Anton. average Derby wingbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I can only applaud that sort of uh, that sort I of knowledge. Where that on. came from, to be honest. That was. But, yeah. uh, That was different gravy. Well played, my friend. Uh, Well, we're going to return later this month for uh, another installment of Steve Bloomer's Washing. Um, Do subscribe. We do really appreciate it. We do try to get the podcast out to more Derby fans and more people who uh, watch our beloved Rams. And uh, we really would appreciate it as well if you could leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts as well for iOS users on iPhones, iPads, etc. But until next time, Richard Kutcher, thank you very much. Thank you, boys. And Anton, we'll stop the rock. Come on, you, come on, you Rams. 
Cheers, boys. Good, <laughs> good, good performance.